When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Questo suono dal Sud America, fino giù in Senegal, profumo d'Africa, nella Nuova Guinea, la sentirai in Albania, che assomiglia a casa mia, riparte dal Belgio, arriva in Croazia, Slovacchia, Polonia e Romania. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Worldwide Series. This is a series all about our fans. I'm convinced we have the best fans in the world, so I wanted to give fans all over the world a platform where they can speak their minds, and this way you, the listeners, can hear some opinions and viewpoints that are different from my own. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. We're heading back to the UK for today's episode. I'm very excited to introduce today's guest. He is the man behind the SSC Napoli News Twitter and Instagram accounts, Jay, welcome to Forza Napoli. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here, Joe. Thanks for inviting me on. The pleasure is all mine. Before we even uh, get started, let me first just say thank you for all the work that you do with the Twitter account specifically. I think for the first thing that a lot of Napoli fans do when they wake up in the morning, regardless of where they are around the world, is they open your account and scroll through the news over the last, say, 24 hours. The account has become the go-to place to get the latest news on which players were linked to and the status of these negotiations, especially at this time of the year in the middle of the Mercato. The account is essentially an aggregator, so instead of having us having to you know, go to various different sites to, to get our news, we could just come to your account, which is a very convenient location to get everything. It's also very well run. You're remarkably quick at reporting the latest news and you always, always, always provide a source, which I think is really important, especially on social media where nowadays people are pretty quick to steal other people's content. So great work with the account. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate that. I think it's obviously important, like you say, with sources and things like that. At the end of the day, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to keep up to date with Napoli news. And that was the reason I really started the account as over here obviously in England there aren't as many Napoli supporters there aren't as many Calcio supporters so I found it a good way for me to keep up to date with news and obviously you know it gathered quite a following quite quickly and that just inspired me to carry on and I really enjoy it now because to me like I say there aren't many Napoli fans around here there aren't many Calcio fans around here so it helps me to feel like I'm actually part of the community part of the Calcio community part of the Napoli community it's where I get to where my views and news and everyone's interested. And we all know, I think, I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's other teams that have fantastic fan bases and their Twitter's just as good. But the Napoli Twitter is fantastic. It's it's really good. It's really engaging. Things like yourself with your podcast. And obviously, there's other good podcasts around. Um, so I'm just glad to be playing the little role that I do play. No, it's fantastic. And that's actually the the real reason I wanted to bring you on the podcast, because you know, one of the things I'm most proud of with this series in particular is that it does seem to bring the online community just a little bit closer together. We literally give, you know, an account a voice, which is especially great for your account, because like I said earlier, it's 
fairly anonymous. So, so now we have a name and a voice that we can attribute to that account. And we always start with our fans or our guest stories of, of how they became a fan. And, and again, I think that's a way of, of bringing the community a little bit closer. We can all share in those stories and some of them are, are a bit different than others. Some of them are your sort of fairly commonplace, you know, my father or my father's father. So I'm curious to know, how did you become an Apple fan, Jay? Well, I'd say mine is certainly not commonplace. It's, it's <laughs> slightly random. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, I've, I've always loved football. From a young age, football was my life, really. I was always sort of play, If I wasn't playing football, I was watching football, especially um, Italian football on Channel 4 on a Sunday morning. That was always a, a staple for me. Our friends would all gather around a, a TV and watch the Italian football. And I played, obviously, for a lot of the uh, local teams and represented the county that I'm from. And so I, was, I used to play football sort of seven days a week, really, and my life was all football. Uh, and that was fine until I was getting a bit older. And as you do, you start to pick up a couple of injuries. And I had uh, a ligament injury and then a meniscus injury. Managed to get back from those. And then I had quite a big injury. I managed to rupture my ACL, had a grade two tear of the MCL, uh, ruptured my ALL and completely tore the meniscus. And after that, I, I sort of, I didn't fall out of love with football, but I didn't watch, obviously I couldn't play football. I didn't watch much football because it's quite tough not being able to play football. It was a bit of a reminder. So for about a year, I, I didn't really have too much to do with football. And then one night, I was just with a friend and we were having a few drinks, having a chat and playing a bit of FIFA. And we decided that we'd um, play with teams that basically we hadn't played with before. And I fell upon Napoli. And I was losing for most of the match. And yeah, I was getting a bit of stick, a bit of grief. And then the mighty Gokhan Inla managed to score two goals from outside of the box, and I won. Uh, and basically, as daft as it may sound, it all started from that. I started to watch the Napoli matches, really got into it, and I've barely missed a match since. That Christmas, I got my first ever Napoli shirt with Gokhan Inla on the back, of course. And it basically, it all came from that. I came on Twitter because, like I say, around here you don't have many Calcio fans. Uh, in fact, I know one Calcio fan, I know one, unfortunately, is a Juventus supporter, um, who I work with, who I didn't know at that time. So that's why I came onto Twitter, because I wanted to interact with fellow Napoli fans. I wanted to get to know fellow Napoli fans. I wanted people to talk to about the matches. And yeah, that is why I came onto Twitter. And like I say, all I've found since is fantastic people, lots of people like yourself, like-minded people who want to talk Napoli, want to talk Calcio. Twitter, you know, sometimes it could be a terrible place, but for some things, it's a fantastic place. And it's just nice that now you are where you are. I'm in the UK, but we're connected. And that's what I love about it. Yeah, that's been the most rewarding thing for me with the podcast is that I I now interact with people literally all over the world. There's people all over the world listening to the podcast, which is really rewarding for me. But I love that story. I think Inler is one of sort of the maybe underrated Napoli players. I think there's an appreciation for him, but he played during a generation where we had so many great players, the Cavani, Lavezzi era, Hamsik. So he doesn't get as much as much love, but he was one of my favorite players. Absolute cannon on his on his foot. So I love that story. So well so that that's how it started. And I think 
obviously I don't get to, I've not been to an Apple game I've not been to Naples I'm actually planning my first trip to Naples for next year as we speak um obviously I'm really looking forward to that but I've managed to go to a couple of friendlies that we've had in the UK I went to the Bournemouth game and decided to dress up as Marek Hamzik uh, which was interesting <laughs> Carlo Alvino actually came and spoke to me addressed addressed the um well let's just say how well the kappa shirt that I was wearing didn't fit me um <laughs> There was Sky Sports did a segment right in front of us. And then, amusingly, when the players arrived, we were stood waiting for the, the players to arrive. And um, it was Lorenzo Tonelli who actually spotted me first, started getting the players, and they were all having a good laugh and pointing at me and having a good laugh. And then we went into the stadium and basically I asked my friend to take a picture of me from behind. I had my Hamzik shirt on, I had my Bohican wig on. And it actually, Marek Hamzik actually used it himself on his Instagram the next day. <laughs> so. That's amazing. That's like another great story. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I think one of the funniest moments of the day was Bournemouth Vitality Stadium is quite small, mm-hmm. and um, the majority of the Napoli fans were sitting together. So I decided to go to the toilet at halftime. As I came back and walked along the bottom of the stands, the Napoli fans all stood up and started chanting "Il Capitano," nice. which was very, <laughs> very amusing. It has to be said. That's amazing. All right, so we got a lot to talk about, so I want to get into it because we don't have a lot of time. And the other reason I wanted to bring you on is because at this time of year, as I said, you cover all of the transfer rumors that are going on. And and to be clear, you're you're really just providing a, a one-spot shop for everyone to get their news. You're not really saying something is definitively going to happen, which we'll get into. Um, so I think we're going to make this a bit of a transfer special. And I think a logical place to start is with which players may or may not be leaving the club. De Laurentiis has made it quite clear that we will not be purchasing any players until we sell a few players first. I think the obvious starting point is with our captain, Lorenzo Insigne. There's been a lot of uh, media attention around Insigne over the last couple of days or so. We're recording this on Thursday. But just to give everyone a quick summary of how we got to this point, Insigne has one year left on his contract. He currently makes around 4.6 million euros per season, and he wants a raise. Meanwhile, De Laurentiis is looking to reduce the club's wage bill and has reportedly offered three and a half million euros per season, which is a million euros short of what his current pay is, let alone an increase. Now, on Wednesday, Gianluca Di Marzio tweeted that Inter are interested in Insigne and social media absolutely exploded around this story. So let me ask you first about the recent events and... What's the latest around Lorenzo Insigne's interest from Inter? Well, it's interesting. I mean, there was a report today that basically Inter's interest in Insigne was a bit of a tactic to push Lazio into Salin Correa, who apparently is Marotta's primary target. Um, and I, th- I think what a lot of people miss in sort of, you know, news articles like this is that a lot of the time this is just talk it's not necessarily you know steps towards a transfer it's sounding somebody out it's sounding out somebody's agent I mean I noticed just before I came on that the latest clubs are Everton and Zenit St Petersburg who are being linked earlier on I saw it was PSV Eindhoven and an unnamed English club um, that were having contacts with Lorenzo Insigne's entourage um I think the problem is, as we all know, it's been an issue that's been documented all summer long, 
the longer it goes on, the more rumours will come. Um, but I've been saying all summer long that, for me, I think Insigne will stay. Uh, in spite of the last 24 hours, all the news it's broke, I still think he will stay. I think the interlink... I don't understand it, really. I don't think that Lorenzo Insigne will play for another Italian team. I think if he were to leave Napoli, he'd probably be looking abroad. I'm not, I'm not sure where... I mean, Inter, for starters, from a style perspective, I don't think he'd fit their system. I don't understand why he wants to go there at this current moment in time when they are selling top players. Um, yeah, for, for me... I just, I, I don't, I don't understand why Insigne would, in theory, want to leave his hometown club, whom he captains, and whom have as good a chance of anybody um, as winning the Scudetto this season. Because every team's had their problems. Obviously, Inter Milan are selling players. Juventus are interested in Locatelli, but haven't really strengthened yet. Atalanta have lost Romero, who was the defensive MVP last season. Lazio and Roma from the table last year have something to find I don't see the incentive to leave I understand the narrative of he's turned 30 now and he's probably got one last big contract and I can understand he'd want to make the most from that contract I think what I would say on the whole saga is that Lorenzo Insigne's contract doesn't doesn't expire in 20 days it doesn't expire at the end of August it expires in 10 months time and an agreement doesn't necessarily have to be found now. I did read a report today that said Napoli are trying to buy time and waiting to see what the situation is, the financial situation is, at the end of the transfer market, which would be a very smart move because Napoli might be in a better position to offer Insigne a better contract at that point. You know, it might be until the spring, perhaps, and say by the spring, who knows, we could be solidly in the top four and it looks like we're going to get Champions League football and then perhaps we can offer better terms then. So I, th- I think the, the problem is he's such a high-profile player. He's coming off a fantastic season, he scored 19 goals and got seven assists in Serie A last season. And then he's gone on to the Euros, won the Euros with Italy. So his profile's sky high. And any player with a contract expiring in a year is going to attract interest. And obviously a player of Insigne's standing is going to attract a lot of interest. But... I, th- I think that's the reason why all these reports are coming out. Yeah, you touched on a lot of the points that I wanted to touch on as well. I think to your point about this dragging on, I think for the longest time there were no discussions just because Insigne was at the Euros, then he had his vacation, so they didn't really dis- start discussing a renewal until very recently. And even then, they still haven't had many conversations. I think just this week... Vincenzo Pizzacane, Lorenzo Insigne's agent, met with Giuntoli and Eduardo and Chiavelli. And De Laurentiis wasn't there. He had already returned to Rome. So there haven't been that many discussions. I agree. He has time. He still has a season left on his contract. Obviously, you'd like to get those extensions done sooner rather than later than take that chance. But as we saw with Dries Mertens, it's not impossible. You will have to deal with some of that speculation. I also think that with letting the window pass things will settle down a little bit you won't have you know external clubs only have so much time to come to an agreement with the player and then it's back to just you know the team and the player negotiating with each other until the next mercato so 
I could see that being something that that the club is using to improve their their negotiating position. And as you said, to to wait and see what the finances are looking like. I agree. I don't think this transfer is going to happen to Inter. I do think this was a very clever offer from Beppe Marotta, um, both to, as you pointed out, aid in negotiations with Lazio for Joaquin Correa, but I think it was also still a legitimate offer to Napoli. The problem is what they offered is not really what we're interested in. Did you see the reports on, on what the offer was? Uh, the 50 million euros and Sanchez offer. Exactly. Which, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense either, right? Because one, Sanchez is a center forward. So we'd be replacing a left winger with a center forward. Now, perhaps he could play out wide. I, I don't think that's impossible necessarily. But what that means is that Inter are valuing a center forward, a backup center forward at 10 to 15 million euros because there were reports that De Laurentiis would accept an offer for Insignia of 25 to 30 million euros. And the other thing is that Sanchez currently makes 7 million euros per season. So what people need to remember as well is that the player they're sending our way also needs to agree to terms with Napoli. And you know De Laurentiis is not going to, if he's not, renewing Insigne at four and a half million he's definitely not going to pay Sanchez seven million he'd probably pay half of that and where would the incentive be for Sanchez to take an offer where he's going to play just as little but make half as much money so I don't think that offer makes a whole lot of sense we'll see where that one goes I think the risk I guess with De Laurentiis is that he could lose Insigne on a Bosman like Milan did with with Donnarumma but I think Inter would still need to lure Insigne away. And I, I agree, it's far more likely that if he wanted to leave, I, I can't imagine him wanting to play against Napoli. So I think he would leave Italy altogether. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Let's move on to our other star player, which is Kalidou Koulibaly. There were reports last week, I want to say, or maybe earlier this week, that PSG was interested in Koulibaly again. What can you tell us about that? Have you heard anything new on the PSG rumours? haven't heard anything really new. Um, Luca Marchetti, a couple of nights ago on Sky Sport, mentioned, well, reminded everybody, I suppose, that PSG have obviously done a lot of business in this window, um, but the majority has been free transfers, and the only fee they've paid out was for Hakimi. Therefore, in theory they would have the money there ready to go to sign a player if they wanted to sign a player. And I suppose, obviously, they've signed Sergio Ramos. However, he's now picked up an injury and he's going to be out for a while. So you could argue that they are in the market for a centre-back. However, I'm not convinced that they will go for Koulibaly. I think if they were going to go for Koulibaly, they've had all summer to do it. I think they're probably... They've got a lot of players. I think people forget that PSG have got a lot of players that they want to get rid of themselves. I know they've sold a few, but they do have... I was I was looking earlier today and they have, I think, five or six players that they want to get off the wage bill because you have to factor that in as well. That, OK, they've got the money to go for a transfer fee. However, the other players coming on as free agents doesn't detract from the fact that they're all earning big wages. And again, Marchetti was keen to point out that financial fair play isn't really a thing at the moment with the pandemic going on. But I'm, I'm just not convinced. I mean, PSG have been linked with Koulibaly in every transfer market for the last two or three years. 
and obviously he's turned 30 now. I think my gut tells me, and from what I've seen, my gut tells me that Koulibaly will stay. And I think the most logical thing from the reports that I've seen is that he will at some point renew and spread his salary over that longer contract, which will, of course, help Napoli in the short term. I just think we know how hard ADL is to satisfy. And if you don't pay what he wants, you don't get the player. And I don't think PSG are going to bid $50 for Koulibaly this summer. Yeah, I agree. I saw a report, I think it was from Tuto Sport this morning, that said that they offered $35 million again, and that was rejected pretty quickly. I think Everton previously offered a similar offer, and that was rejected as well. So one thing we know about De Laurentiis is that even though he said everyone's for sale, that doesn't mean for any price. He's not going to let people go if he doesn't think the, the value is right. And the other thing with Koulibaly is that we're very late in the market now, and there wouldn't be a whole lot of time to find a replacement. More than likely, you'd only be able to replace him with a center back who's considered a surplus to the selling club because otherwise that club would then need to find the replacement too. So there's a bit of a domino effect there, but there's no way that a surplus player is going to be anywhere near the quality of Koulibaly. So I don't really see that happening now. And then there were also reports today that Manolas had some sort of minor injury in training. I don't know the extent of that, but you know that already tells you that we can't afford to lose someone like Koulibaly. ADL's in a strong position with Koulibaly from the point of view that Koulibaly's very happy at Napoli as well. I mean, a lot of players of Koulibaly's stature, a world-class player, if they want to leave, they will make it known that they want to leave. And, you know, it's very hard. We saw it with Alain to our cost. We kept him when he wanted to join PSG. And unfortunately, he was never the same player again. And we sold him eventually to Everton for a lot less money than we could have got from PSG. But with Koulibaly, because Koulibaly is so happily at Napoli and would never force a move, ADL's position is strong because he basically says to a team, well, you pay me what I want or the player stays with us. Absolutely. And you're right. You know, he's all about Napoli. He's, I think he said previously he would go, you know, if it benefited the club. But he certainly, despite the rumours out there, I don't think he's asked for a move. You know, there are people that have suggested he, he has asked for a move because he wants to play in the Champions League or he wants to, more than that, not just play in the Champions League, but win the Champions League. Well, I think if that was his motivation, he probably would have asked for a move a long time ago. Yeah, I think you're right. Exactly. If, if, you know, if that was his motivation and that was his end goal, then absolutely. I mean, personally, I think that if Koulibaly wanted to leave, I think there probably wasn't a better opportunity for him than Manchester City last summer. And we know that last summer, you know, he didn't request a move. He he was perfectly happy. If it happened, as you said quite rightly, he did make it known that if it helps Napoli, and that's what Napoli wanted, then he would do that. However, he was happy to stay. And like I say, for me, last summer, if I mean, knowing Man City's stature um, and the fact that he would have guaranteed Champions League football every year, he would be competing for the Premier League every year, he would have been given a very, very big salary if that wasn't enough to make Koulibaly want to leave, then I don't think anything really will be. Exactly. And I think it's quite clear that Luciano Spalletti doesn't want either of these players to be sold either. After the Ascoli match, he said that he's confident about the future because he's seen a good group that can aspire to important comparisons. 
then he said it would be a pity to not let them all do it together. So I think that's a subtle way of saying that he doesn't want to let these players go. I think at the very least, he's exonerating himself if they were to be sold. Spalletti is a relatively new guy around, so I think he doesn't want to upset the apple cart either just yet. He wasn't so subtle with his comments about Insigne. He said after that match as well that for us, he's an important reference. He's the captain of the team and the darling of the public. He has a gift given to him by Jesus to interpret the game. He sees the ball like no one else. So with these players, I think... Both of them are going to stay. I think we can probably add Fabian to that list as well. Let's talk about some of the players whose departures seem rather imminent. So far, we've sold Amato Cicciretti and we've loaned out Michael Foloruncio, both of them to Pordenone. Who do you think will be the next to go? I think it's almost guaranteed that Tutino will be the next to go. Everything seems to be done for the, the deal to join Palmer for 5 million euros, plus a million if Palmer get promoted. And I did see today, I don't know if it's accurate, there's also a 20% resale clause involved. So should he move on again, then obviously Napoli will make a bit of money from that. Luperto will be going to Empoli on loan. And again, that's another half a million. And it's probably toss of a coin whether Contini will go first. He'll join Crotone. I did see yesterday, and again, I don't know how accurate it is, that Crotone will have an option to buy Contini should they wish at the end of the season, which does surprise me slightly, given that David Espina is out of contract next summer. And if the reports are correct, Alex Meret will be Napoli's first-choice goalkeeper this season. And I can't imagine that David Espina will want to stay around if he's going to be warming the bench most of the time. He's only 32, and as we all know, keepers can have fantastic careers all the way to 40 and beyond. So I'd imagine that David Espina may well be moving on next summer and Contini would be the obvious number two from there on so if if it is true that there is an option to buy I'm a, a bit surprised by that actually um, and the other player of course is Unas Adam Unas who today it was reported that ADL had basically closed a deal worth 13 million euros with Montreal in the MLS but Adam Unas rejected the move which yeah I think the the problem is Adam Unas is probably the player that could generate the biggest sale because, as we've just touched on, I don't think Insigne will be leaving. I don't think Koulibaly will be leaving. I don't think Fabian will be leaving. I did think Fabian would be leaving, but I just don't think there's a market for Fabian this year with PSG getting Wijnaldum. DePaul went to Atletico and Barcelona and Madrid, who have long been interested in Fabian, obviously don't have the finances to do a deal. Um so Unas could probably bring in the biggest transfer fee. And I know a lot of fans wouldn't mind Unas staying. And to be honest, I wouldn't mind Unas staying because he's he's looked quite useful in pre-season prior to the injury. But we have to remember that his contract is set to expire next year. And the fact that he's been loaned out in each of the last couple of seasons says that basically he's been surplus to requirements. So I'm not sure ADL would be rushing to give him a new contract. Therefore, it makes sense to take a fee for him this year rather than let him play probably 500 to 1,000 minutes, if that, this season, and then see him leave for free. So they're probably at the head of the list. Obviously, players like Gaetano, uh, Mahatch, they'll probably go out on loan. I did see today that there's a thought that Palmeiro may stay for, well, probably until January, just to cover um, Stanislav Lubotka while Deme's out injured. But again, he's one that's, likely to go out on loan. Um, Zadadka is obviously 
played a lot of minutes in pre-season, benefiting from, obviously, the likes of Insigne um, being absent on holiday. And But again, he looks like he'll go out on loan. I do think one of one of the issues is with these players, it's, it's normal to send your youngsters out on loan. But players like Mahatch is now 25. And in the current climate, when Napoli do want to make money, I do wonder, is it worth selling these players on by the time they get to 25? Um, Laquerto is 24. There's only so many loans that are worthwhile. Um, it makes sense to send these players out, get them experienced while they're young. But if they're not going to come into the team and they're not going to feature for the team by the age of 25, then, you know, is it worth selling them on and making a profit? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we saw that happen with Chichiretti where he just couldn't get into the squad and ultimately we sold him. I completely agree on Unes. And I think you can say the same thing about Tutino as well. I think a lot of fans would love to have these guys in the squad. But with the lack of offers for Fabian, for Koulibaly, we got to sell someone if we want to bring some players in. Like I said, De Laurentiis has made that quite clear. On Tutino, Parma have sold Andreas Cornelius to Trasbonspor as well, so that frees up a position for him. I, I think the fees you mentioned are pretty much what everyone is reporting, somewhere in the 5 to 6 million euro range, plus bonuses for goals and appearances, perhaps this 20% sell-on fee. I saw one report that suggested it could be a loan, which doesn't really change anything for us. I, I looked into this in terms of the accounting side of things, whether you loan a player out, as long as there's an obligation to buy you can account for that revenue now, which means we can still spend it in the current market to get replacement players. You mentioned Luperto. Uh, the Contini situation is interesting. I think I saw the same report, but at the same time, I saw that another report saying that there's some tension between Juntoli and, and Pizzacana, who also represents Contini. And a lot of people were saying, you know, when Pizzacana was in town, that it was actually there to negotiate the Contini deal. If he sold, most likely Ospina would just play the number two role, finish out his contract, and move on. And our Primavera keeper, Idasiak, would be the third keeper. So we definitely have to to bring on a another keeper for the start of next season. Now, I know a lot of fans are kind of at their wits end with the clubs in activity on the market so far, but I think with some of these transactions happening probably in the next week or so, that should cause the, the market to pick up activity a little bit. In addition to suggesting that he doesn't want to lose any players, at least not any of the key players, Spalletti has indicated that there is a need for reinforcements. After the Ascoli match, he said, I think about the real market and not to create expectations to go after names that will never come. I'm convinced that the club will give us what we need to be ready for the start of the championship. There have been reports this week that Spalletti met with De Laurentiis, Giuntoli, and Chiavelli to talk about those needs. And I think we all know what those needs are. We need a left back, we need a central midfielder, and we need a center back. So let's talk about some potential incoming players. And we can start with left back. Would you say that Emerson Palmieri is still the most likely player that we're going to sign? I personally think so, yes. I, I think, I know a lot of people are frustrated that it's it's taken so long, but we do need to sell first. We do need to obviously bring some money in. And I think the Emerson issue is Chelsea are demanding a lot for a player that, quite frankly, they haven't used a lot in the last couple of years. And it's natural that coming towards the end of the market, I think obviously they will want to send him somewhere. They won't want him kicking his heels for another year. And um, I think, obviously, if reports are to be believed, Emerson has already told Spalletti that, you know, he'd like to come to Napoli. 
we know that Emerson has a fantastic relationship with Insigne and obviously he'll be close with Meret and Di Lorenzo too. And obviously, out of the choices, he would certainly be my first choice in the sense of we know he's got those relationships. He knows the league. He knows Spalletti. He's coming off the back of winning the Euros, which is fantastic. And I think he'll be really hungry just from the point of view that he's not played much football in the last few years. But no, I think it's a case of wait until the end of the market. And it could even be a deal that's linked to, I think, we'll probably touch on Bakayoko later, but I think it's it could be a deal that's linked to Bakayoko. And there is definitely a will to get Emerson out of Chelsea. I mean, Emerson himself has hired uh, Pini Zahavi as an agent, which tells you in itself that he's looking to move this summer. Um, I think it's just a case of, although it's frustrating for us and we're reading the reports every day and they're no different, I think it's a case of, with Emerson, we have had to wait because Chelsea's demands have been quite excessive. I mean, most reports I've seen have said that they're requesting €20 million, which €20 million for a player that isn't really playing, isn't really adding much value to the team that he's currently on, is is excessive. Um, And obviously, like I say, waiting to get some money in so that we can, whether it's a loan with obligation, which I, I do think is probably the most likely sort of methodology, or whether we do manage to move Unas on, move Tutino on and buy him outright. Because I think, as we all know, as Napoli fans, that left-back position has cost us dearly in the last couple of years. It's It's been a real, real troublesome spot. And it's been unfortunate. I mean, Gulan was, we all know what Gulan was before his injuries and as somebody who suffered bad knee injuries myself, I really do sympathise with him. And he's, you know, a fantastic player, fantastic person. All the stuff that he does off the pitch shouldn't go unnoticed either. Mario Rui, for me, is a suitable backup. I know a lot of people have said they'd like him to move on. But for me, he'd be a suitable backup if you can get an Emerson Palmerian. There are other options. I mean, um, Mandava from Lille has been strongly reported today. He's got an expiring contract. His contract expires next year. And reportedly, we think that we may be able to get him sort of slightly cheaper as a result of that. He's a more defensive defender. He's not really known for his attacking, but he's got pedigree. He won, obviously, League One with Leo last year. So, you know, he's perfectly, you know, adapted to the underdog team and he's got that winning mentality. And obviously, there's a few other left backs that we've been linked with. I apologise my pronunciation of the name, but S. Tupanan from Villarreal, who, again, would be a very interesting option. Um, he's quite versatile. He can play left back. He can play um, centre-back. He can play left wing. And there's a potential of getting him on loan for, I think, the fees between 1 million and 2 million euros, which, you know, is is fairly sort of within our, our range, shall we say. He was actually in the Copper America team of the tournament this summer, which shows his ability and he's only leaving Villarreal because they've got three left backs and they need to move one on. But the only issue there is West Ham are reportedly interested. And as we know, the Premier League clubs have such strength financially. If we are going to get a deal done for him, we'd probably have to move a bit more quickly than we are now. But for me, I'd say I do think Emerson is the most likely. I think there have been sort of contacts going on for a long time now. And I think it's it is just a case of we know what ADL's like. He's he's a hard negotiator. Marina at Chelsea, she's a hard negotiator. I think it's just, we, we need that point where the time is closing. The deal needs to get done. Chelsea relents slightly. ADL maybe flexes slightly. 
Um, and I would say that he's the most likely left back next season. I certainly hope he is. I agree. I think I don't think you know Chelsea winning the the Champions League and certainly not winning the Super Cup this week is really affects Emerson's value because as you said, he has hardly played with Chelsea. I think winning the Euros where he did play a fair bit might have increased his value. And I think part of the problem is at the moment, Seti as currency is kind of depreciated relative to the EPL's currency, if you know what I mean. Like what's considered expensive for us is not considered a whole lot for EPL clubs. So that that disparity might be causing some problems. I do suspect that maybe Chelsea are trying to include Bakayoko in the deal or they're trying to both clubs trying to work that out because as we'll get to in a second, we do need to address the center of the midfield as well. I think you mentioned a couple of other players. One of them that you didn't mention is Piero Hincapi, though it seems like he's destined to move to Bayer Leverkusen. We've been linked to Costa Simicas, but just looking at his salary, which I think is around three million pounds a season, close to 3.7 million euros a season, if we're not willing to pay Insignia, <laughs> I don't think we're going to be spending that much on on a left back. And then I've also seen uh, Gabriel Goodmanson, but Chiro Venerato was reporting that since Paletti's arrival, the club's no longer interested in him. So we'll see how that one goes. I think there are still a couple of options out there, so I'm not going to panic just yet. I think, uh, like we said, we need to sell a couple people and then that'll probably be the first position that we address. Let's close with the center of the midfield. We still have to replace the position that's been vacated by Timo Ibakayoko, and then the Diego Dema injury has exasperated the need for another midfielder. Who are some of the names we're linked to there, and is there any player you would prefer us to sign in the center of the midfield? Well, again, there's there's a fair few contenders. I mean, names that have kept popping up recently, Sander Burge at Sheffield United. Um, and it's interesting, see, in the Italian media, I think, again, it was reported today that um, Sheffield United are prepared to do business for between 8 and 10 million euros. However, over here in the UK, it's being reported that he has a 35 million euro release clause. And that is the money that Sheffield United want, as they need to make up a 40 million shortfall from being relegated from the Premier League. So if they do want the 35 million euros, then I can't see a deal for Burge. Um And apparently we have tried to get him on loan as well and they're not open to that. So, I mean, I like him. He's a big, strong, confident dribbler, good passer of the ball. But I think, yeah, if, if the rumoured figures in the UK are correct, I can't see a deal. Zakaria has been mentioned quite a lot. And again, he's... Uh, to group three together, I think Zakaria, Kamara and Coop Miners are all fantastic players and I would love to see any one of them come to Napoli however I think they are the three that are going to command the biggest fees I think you're probably looking at anywhere between 12 and 20 million um, to take one of them Um, and Zakari and Koopminers do have a lot of interested parties which you know means it could push the price up slightly Koopminers is a player that Napoli I think have had their eye on since playing AZ last season and I have two, and I, I do like him as a player. He's one of those players that he's, he can do a bit of everything. He's a tough tackler. He's got a very good left foot. He's really good over a dead ball. He, he has got an eye for goal. However, AZ do want reportedly €20 million. Euros, and he has mentioned UCL football, which obviously we can't offer right now. So I'm not sure that that's a deal that we could get over the line. And saying that, Zakaria and Kamara would arguably be more functional to Napoli at the moment. 
I mean, they are good at supporting the attack, but they are typically more defensive midfielders who break up the play and get the ball forwards, which is the kind of player that we're looking for, the kind of role that Deme fulfills. So it's tricky. Vecino is another name that is constantly linked with us. Obviously, Spalletti worked with him at Inter and reportedly likes him. So that's a player that's had a bit, a bit of press. And one report that I did see that I was quite keen on was Amrabat, Sofian Amrabat from Fiorentina, who, of course, we tried to sign when we signed Rahmani in January um, of 2020. I saw a report saying that Vincenzo Italiano didn't feel that he was central to his plans and that Fiorentina would be happy to sell him, which surprises me somewhat, given the style of football that Italiano likes to play. Is Amrabat's one of those players that he's very clever, he protects the ball very well, He's good at finding passes that can unlock defences. Um, I'd have thought that he was a player that would really fit in their system. And I have to say, if it is true that Fiorentina are looking to move him on, he's a player that I personally would be very keen to see at Napoli. I think a player like him who can play that role where they're protecting the ball, they can play those passes, especially, obviously, as we know, Napoli's attack is so strong. If we've got a player that can be picking those passes into the right areas that could be very, 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 very good for Napoli. And Amrabat is a player that I would really like. But I'd say the most likely player is Bakayoko. I think he will potentially be part of any deal for Emerson. I think it probably makes sense that we negotiate a deal for both. I know a lot of Napoli fans probably don't want to hear that. I know a lot of Napoli fans weren't overly happy with him last season. However, yes, well, he did have a few bad games and a bad run of form in the middle of the season. He also had some good matches. And I don't want to touch on the Verona game too much. I think that's been talked about a lot and there's no need to talk about that anymore. But that does mean that we are limited to what we can do. Obviously, we know that we're not operating with much money. We know that we're waiting for sales. And obviously, to get back a Yoko on loan, again, a player that knows, obviously knows the league very well, obviously knows Napoli very well, knows the players well, it's not the transfer we'd all like, I think he would plug that gap until Deme is back. And that's probably the way we will go. It's the the cheapest option, the simplest option. And as I say, it may also help in the deal for Emerson. So it would be killing two birds with one stone, which, you know, this late in the window, if you can sign two players to true troublesome positions in one deal, it probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I know a lot of fans don't want Bakayoko back, but if we could get him, first of all, as you said, if it's required to get Emerson, it might be worth the sacrifice. If we could get him for a relatively cheap price, then he's not a terrible option to have off the bench. You mentioned a couple of players, uh, Zakaria, Kamara, Miners. I agree, probably too expensive if we're going to spend that kind of money on Emerson. I don't think we can splash that kind of money on two players. On Matias Vecino, I think his salary is probably still a little bit too high for the role we would look to to play. He makes two and a half million euros per season, which doesn't seem like much, but we actually only have seven players that make two and a half million or more per season, and they're all pretty much starters, so I don't see that happening. I agree on Amrabat. I'm I'm very curious about that. I I did see that he could be reunited with Ivan Juric at Torino, so there may be some competition there. And then there have been a couple of other players that we've been linked to uh, Zian Fleming, uh, Morten Thorsby, who's uh, been linked to Watford, Michael Abisher. There's there's so many, but we're just about out of time. 
unfortunately, we don't have to cover all of them, but you can get all of your latest rumors from Jay's Twitter account at News underscore, and I'll make sure to tag you in the Twitter posting for that. But Jay, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, like I say, for having me on. It's It's great to interact with fellow Napoli fans and be part of the family worldwide. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter as well at Joe underscore Fischetti 5 and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forza Napoli Pod. I'll be back next week to review our friendly on Saturday against Pescara, but until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Sempre. Tutto il mondo è casa Podcast Network.